John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by this message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So this is the last week of this series, I Am. I hope you've gotten as much out of it as I have. And this morning we are looking at the final I Am statement in the book of John. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. So if you have a Bible this morning, or if you have an app on your phone where you can highlight different words, do me a favor and circle or highlight or underline the words in this passage that Jesus keeps repeating. There's, there's several of them. I've said this before, but it's a good reminder for all of us that when the Bible repeats words in the same passage, it's really important to pay really close attention to them. This passage has a few. One is vine, right? You see that one? You can circle or underline or highlight. One is branches. One is fruit. One is remain. So, of course, the point of this passage this morning is to recognize that Jesus is the true vine. He is the one that is the source of everything. And we're going to get into that. But we're also going to look at our role as branches and how we are to be bearing fruit. And we'll get into that. But can we look at one word real quick that keeps getting repeated? It's the last word that I said. The word remain. Jesus says it twice in verse 4. Once in verse 6, but really he says it twice in verse 6. And then twice in verse 7. That's six time, five or six times that Jesus uses the word remain. That word remain is the word, Greek word meno. Now that is an active tense. That means it is something that is continuing on and on and on and on and on for all of eternity. So really, that can be translated into not just remain, it can be translated to keep abiding, keep remaining in me. We must continue to be in fellowship with Christ, the true vine. If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear that. If you are a Christian, whether it be for a short time or for a decade, or for many decades. 
That word, meno, which means remain or abide, that's for you. That's for me. Without the vine, we, without remaining in Jesus, we are doomed. We will shrivel up. We will die. I've been reading a book this week called The Shofar Blue. Picture of it there. It's by Francine Rivers. She's like a Christian, like, romance novelist. I don't know. She's, she, she actually, she's, she's really, really a good author, and uh, she usually writes books for women. But I, I was reading this book for years. Heather was like, you should read this book. And I've had other people say, you should read this book. So I, I, I started reading the book. And <laughs> it's about a guy that's a pastor. And he goes to this little church. And he grows this little church into basically a megachurch. But what's really interesting is, as you read this book, you realize this guy's a jerk. He's a real, real jerk. He doesn't treat his wife well. He doesn't treat his kids well. He doesn't treat older people in the church well. And, and, and if anybody stands against them, he kicks them out. And you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a man that is building a kingdom on his own strength and on his own power. And let me tell you something. It is possible to build up a huge church on your own strength and your own power without involving God at all. I've seen it. I was part of a big, big church. That that's how I felt it had been built. It is totally possible to do all these things, these great things, and you just claim, well, it's for the name of Jesus, it's the name of God. And in the meantime, your family, your friends, all those around you are being shredded. Because they haven't remained in the vine. And if you don't remain in the vine, you're good for nothing but to be gathered up and thrown into the fire. Friends, church, may we never, ever forget our place and our job is to remain in the vine. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the question is, how do we remain in the vine? How do we remain connected to Jesus? How do we remain connected to the vine? I think the answer is by knowing our place in the vineyard. Isaiah 5, 7, The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord's he Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find his righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. When Jesus was speaking here, everyone would know the connection of God and the vineyard. The connection to the vine. 
This verse here in Isaiah is one of many where Israel is compared to a vineyard or to a vine. The coins in the first century, the, the Jewish coins, were a vine because that symbolized the nation of Israel. Jesus here would have conjured up memories of learning Isaiah 5-7 in temple that God had expected his people to be a vineyard, a pleasant garden. Then Isaiah here is saying that God was expecting that his people would produce grapes and fruits and justice and righteousness, but instead his people had merely produced oppression and violence. They hadn't produced any fruit, so to speak, of except for poisonous, toxic ones. So here Jesus claims, I am the vine, the true vine. You must know that if you get disconnected from me, this relationship will die. A branch that is severed from the vine will dry up, wither, and be useless unless it's time to start a fire. And then you grab that vine and you use it for kindling. Just like that book, we can all have the greatest attentions. We can have the greatest ambitions of the things that we want to do for God, but if we aren't connected to the vine, then all of those are for nothing. I know megachurches that are huge, they have big numbers, they have flash, they have smoke, but once you start listening to leadership, you wonder, are they really connected to the vine? Are they really doing this for Jesus, or are they here to build up their own impressive kingdom? Let me make this a little more personal. Heather and I just finished up premarital counseling for a couple in this church, maybe over there, in the front row. So what we talked about this week was talking about keeping, um, you know, your love alive and... Uh, I said, you know what, something is good to do, and this, this sounds like every day, and I don't think this will be too hard for some people. See, every day, you kiss your wife for 10 seconds, a 10-second kiss. You're like, that, if you actually do it, you're like, this is kind of lasting a long time. Hug your wife or your spouse, your husband, for 30 seconds. And spend 15 minutes on the couch with your spouse, with nothing on, just talking. Does that sound hard? It isn't, but for some reason that always seems to be the first to go. If you are feeling disconnected, Don't skip those. They are so important. And if that is the case with our spouses, then how much more is it important to make sure we are connected to the living God who gives us everything, that sustains everything, that holds our world and our lives together? Don't skimp remaining in the vine. Remain in Him. Know your place. Jesus is the vine. You are the branch that connects to the vine. And God is the gardener. 
when we stay connected to the vine and we allow God to garden us, to prune us, then we produce fruit. A good fruit. A lovely fruit. So the rest of this morning, we're going to look at the different types of branches that are in the vineyard. So what kind of branches are in the vineyard? The first one is branches that are cut off. John 15.2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. John 15.6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. I know it's pretty harsh. Cut off. It doesn't sound kind. It doesn't sound loving. Let me tell you something about the love of God. It is never ending. As long as you draw breath... Jesus will never cut you off from access to him. No, it is we that remove ourselves from him. Six or seven times he says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. We choose to do that ourselves. We decide to go it alone, to try and live without the vine. And what happens when a vine tries to live without, when a branch tries to live without the vine is that when a branch tries to live without a trunk, well, you know what happens. They become withered, shriveled up, dried up. But here's the good news. Maybe that's you this morning. Just like the prodigal son, God is always scanning the horizon, looking and waiting for you to return. Always. He will always welcome you back to the fold with loving and open arms. He will always do the miraculous work of regrafting and fixing the limb that is broken. However, we are finite, church. We have a timeline, we have an end date. If that is where you find yourself this morning, don't mess around and don't wait. Jesus has welcomed you home home into his loving arms, but don't wait too long. No one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return, and no one knows the day or the hour when your time is up on this earth. That's why James said that life is a mist, it's a vapor. So get right with Jesus this morning. Get right with him. The second type of branch are the branches that need pruning. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. When Paul wrote that, he was writing a letter to the church in Philippi that needed some correction. They needed to remember that they were to imitate Jesus, that they needed to check their hearts. Listen to John 15:2 as Jesus says, and he prunes the branch that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I don't know that I've ever met a fellow believer that doesn't need some pruning in their life. I need it. Aaron needs it. Tim needs it. And I I love those guys with all my heart. It's just, we all need pruning. 
I definitely need it. Hebrews 12.10 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Listen, here's the thing about discipline, especially discipline from God and discipline from a loving parent, is that discipline is loving help. I think I would mentioned this a while back, and, but throughout this whole pandemic, throughout this time of being around the same people, which is my family, constantly, shut up in our house, I've noticed that I've kind of started to turn into a bit of a yeller, a bit of a bellower. Now listen, my family growing up, I was one of seven. All right? there's, there were five kids, two adults, and we always had people over at the house. It was a madhouse. We are loud people. I was having a conversation with my friend Maya just the other night. And he was laughing because in college he came over to my house. And he could not believe the volume that my house had. He's like an only child, right? He didn't know about the, he didn't know about the loudness of a five-kid family, right? He's like, I first got there and I thought everybody was mad and hated each other. Everybody was yelling at the top of their lungs. And I was like, man, if you, if you didn't yell, you didn't get heard. It's kind of like when you have a family of seven, if you don't eat food really fast, you're not going to get eat. That's why I look like I do, because I moved out. Anyway, I'd taken all that, I'd mix it up with constant isolation with my family, the stress of everything on top of that. Kind of some depression, especially, you know, I told you, you know, last Easter I preached in an empty room, like all that mixed together, and I realized I had started to have a bit of a yelling problem. And my wife, in her amazing wisdom, mentioned a couple different times, very calmly, very nicely, very innocently, that I seem to be frustrated after yelling at something or other, and man, she just kind of left it there. Pruning. Is it fun? Nope. Is it beneficial? Sure is. N.T. Wright says, a rose bush left to itself will get straggly and tangled and grow in on itself. It will produce quite a lot of not-so-good roses rather than a smaller number of splendid ones. It will quite literally get in its own light. It needs help to grow in the right direction and to the right ends, so you prune it to stop it wasting its energy and being unproductive. You cut out, particularly the parts of the plant that are growing inward and getting tangled up. You encourage the shoots that are growing outward toward the light. You prune the rose, in other words, to help it to be its true self. Vines, too, need to grow toward the light rather than getting tangled in a mass. Left to themselves, they produce a lot of superficial growth, which must be cut away if the vine is to truly be what it's capable of. Listen, church, God is a master gardener. I am not. You give me shears, and I'll just cut everything, and then you're going to have nothing. You give God the shears? 
He is able to prune plants, trees, and vines for generations of growth. It is up to us to allow the master gardener to prune us, to clean us up, so that we might have that same generational growth in Jesus. The third and final branch are branches that are producing fruit. Listen, John fifteen five. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. John fifteen eight. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. It is my hope that this is where we are today. I pray for all of us that we will be fruit-bearing, that we were all bringing great glory to the Father. A couple years ago, for Mother's Day, I got Heather a planter. She planted tomatoes in it. We watched that thing. We watered it. We watched little mini tomatoes form. And then it became this tomato-producing machine. We had tomatoes up to our eyeballs. We couldn't eat them fast enough. It's crazy how many that little planter produced. And then we went on vacation, and it was 90 degrees out. We went on vacation for like a week, and we came back. And you guys know what happens when 90-degree weather and no water hits tomatoes, right? It was all gone. They had all dried up. They were all rotten. Church, when we are firmly in the vine, when we allow the master gardener to prune us, then we are that planter. We are producing tomatoes constantly, and they are overflowing, and you're giving them away to anyone who will take them. And when I say constantly producing, that that describes our inner life. Galatians 5.22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Listen, we are growing in our fruit. We are growing in our relationship. We are growing in our prayer life. We are growing in our devotional life. We are being strengthened from the inside when we are remain and when we, when we are connected to the vine. And we have described, we are growing our inner life so that it will also describes our outer life. James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. We are being strengthened from the inside so that we may also produce outward fruit, serving others, sharing the gospel, loving your neighbor. The urgent question then is this, how do we remain in him? What does that look like in practice? Both of the meanings above come into play. We must remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as its Lord. That's this place. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. We can't go it alone. But we must also remain as a people of prayer and worship in our own intimate, private lives. We must make sure to be in touch and in tune with Jesus, knowing Him and being known by Him. If you want to remain in the vine, if you want to stay connected, spend time with Jesus. Spend time in service. 
Spend time in God's Word. And you will produce a crop unlike anything you've ever seen.